This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Well, Steve, I would say statistically, it's you know kind of impressive that it took this long to start a show this way. It was bound to happen eventually, but boys, I got the big C. I got it. Got the COVID. I can't smell. I can't taste. I'm doing fine. I'm quarantined in my house, you know, just trying to find ways to keep myself occupied, stay busy in here. Uh, but yeah, it, it happened. We got the COVID. Got the cocoa? Got the, got the cocoa. In a, uh, in a, a very rare vaccinated cocoa. Delta yeah. variant, some might say. Some might say, and I was with six other people. I was one of seven to end up with the with the COVID. Six negatives, one positive. Lucky me. And as always, at the house of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I am good. The comeback is on. I have been cleared to walk around the apartment with no crutch. Still got wear the boot, no crutch. But man, if I was wearing a Fitbit or whatever else people wear my steps would be at least in the dozens, which would be dozens of more <laughs> steps than I've taken in the last two months combined. So I am feeling great. I am on the comeback trail. So your, your stock is rising while mine is just plummeting right oh, now. Oh, yeah. If people were not scooping up the, the Trent Fontanella stock in these last couple months for whatever, whatever you can possibly imagine yeah. it to be in, then they, they're missing out right now. This is the, uh, the sorriest group of ex-athletes you've ever seen in your life mike's got mike's got the uh the, the pandemic virus he's got the cocoa trent's got a shattered ankle and he, he's he's excited about uh taking a couple steps um me i'm i'm hangry as hell i'm on we talked about it last week but i am i am just finished up 24 hours of a juice cleanse oh. and i am starving i need some food i want there's pizza in the fridge and I'm, it's just tempting me. I want to go over there and eat the whole thing, but I am miserable right now. I, I love the analysis, like post juice cleanse episode. This has got to be like the third annual post juice cleanse episode that we've had. So Steve, like, what do you do at the end of 24 hours? Are you feeling motivated and committed to living this clean, healthy lifestyle? Or after this pod, are you getting that pizza and, and just going to town? No, well, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta make it through the day or else it doesn't count. But I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pop some melatonin and just go to sleep because that's all you can do. You just got to sleep off the hunger. You got to sleep off the hunger and you gotta, you gotta kind of wake up and, and, and eat some food then. Cause if, if I eat now, then it's, it's, it's ruined. I think Mike, you're in a good position to do a juice cleanse right now. If you cannot taste and you cannot smell you need to take advantage of the situation cut out all of the delicious miller lights and just have like a a non-alcoholic beer and start having juices all day every day and you'll be just looking and feeling great that's a good point Trent. yeah now's the time to just start like 
smashing spinach and just like tricking your brain into thinking it you know stuff tastes like chocolate because i can't taste it anyways so yeah that's a good point i i i should be uh i should be utilizing i should be utilizing this time it's this weird thing too because when you go to eat something it's like for the first like second or so you almost think you can taste it i think your brain just like associates like oh i'm about to eat a strawberry strawberry tastes like this so i think i taste it and then i'm you know once once your brain gets to a second then it realizes that it's just bland. It doesn't taste like it. It's, it's a weird phenomenon. It, it is very strange. It, and I honestly don't even know how long I lost my smell for because there's no like telling, you know, when you lose your smell. It's just like, it's not like anything physically happens to you. So I was actually like making a smoothie one day and I went to sniff one of the powders to figure out which one I was going to put in. I'm like, what's going on why why can't i why can't i smell that so i started smelling a bunch of stuff i'm going crazy finding anything with like a pungent uh smell in my i actually grabbed a bottle of tequila to try and (laughs) to try and smell it see if that that it still burnt the nostrils but but no smell that was the one that 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 made me realize it i think i think i think that was a little tiktok craze at the the first peak of the pandemic people were like just chugging tequila when they couldn't taste or smell anything (laughs) and it seems it seems like you know you could go to health way like we just mentioned of going juicing and cutting out the booze or you could just go opposite and see like how much tequila can you drink because you're not even going to be repulsed by it trenty tiktoks huh yeah well something you guys don't know about me a little little tiktok action for me mike i you know i I do kind of oh sorry miley's getting all fired up in the background there um i do want to know a little bit about the the covid here is it is it just, is the taste and smell your only symptoms? Like, other than that, do you feel fine? If you wanted to go out for a run right now, could you? Or is, are you too beat up for that? Yeah, so I, uh, the first couple of days, I mean, I still could have run. If, if it wasn't, if I didn't know it was the COVID, I, I, I felt like I could probably run through it. You know, it was a, a head cold. I had the sniffles. I was coughing a little bit. So, you know, mild flu symptoms. It's not like I was like bedridden or anything. And I think, you know, being backed up lowered my symptoms so it was nothing crazy right now i feel feel fine i just you know feel congested and got you know gotta blow my nose a little bit so i could definitely go for a run but it's a weird dynamic right because i feel very uncomfortable going out into the public because i don't you know i just feel irresponsible so i i haven't been run out in the public i do have my dog here so i need to find a way so i've been i've been uh going to the woods like right before uh sunset where I know nobody ever goes on this trail and I've been, you know, doing a little walk jog with the dog to try and get as much energy as I can out, you know, to have that be the one, the one big walk. So I've been doing a little bit of running in the woods and I do feel like when I get towards the end of this, maybe I could do a little running cause I, I haven't seen a single person out there, but the etiquette is very weird because how do you like breach that conversation? If you like end up in a weird spot where somebody tries to talk to you and it's like, Oh no, sorry. I, I have COVID. I can't stand around and talk. It's just, it, it's very weird. It, it sounds like the ultimate excuse not to run. And it sounds like if everyone Michael was with did not get COVID, Mike was probably intentionally like seeking it out, trying to get it somehow so he could have the excuse not to run. Hey, are we, are we breaking like a podcast? Is this a podcast first? Is this the first time? that somebody with the COVID has come on a podcast to describe what it's like having, having the cocoa. I think yeah, we're breaking I, new ground. Yeah, here. I, I think so. Yeah. I think 18 months into this thing, we're, uh, 
you know, we're laying the groundwork. We're finally being honest about this. We're telling, telling the world what COVID's all about. I mean, hard-hitting people, journalism. Yeah, if people heard this podcast 18 months ago, the world might be a different place now. Remember when we were in, in Atlanta, which seems like a, a, like a, a lifetime ago, and we were watching the trials, and the president came on, interrupted the trials in the last like 5K of the women's race to talk about this COVID-19, the coronavirus, and everybody was yelling at the TV, put the race back on, put the race back on. Little did we know that that, that was actually going to ruin our lives for the next year and a half, more than a year and a half, coming on yeah, two yeah. years now. I was making fun of people in the airport who were wearing masks and had no idea that a couple months later that was going to be my life. Yeah, no, and it's ridiculous. And like I said at the, the top of the show, we had to know that eventually, I mean, like I said, statistics would show that one of us was going to start this show in, in this way at some point. You would have thought that, you know, maybe it would have been like Trent who was stuck somewhere in Italy during like the heat of the pandemic. That would be the one. But nope, no, it's uh, it's me. Eighteen months later, in uh, August of 2021, somehow, somehow we're still still dealing with this thing. So, is what it is. Well, Mike, hope you hope you pull through. Hope you uh, you feel better. I think you're you're almost up on your two weeks, so it'll be out of your system soon enough. But like I said, we're we're a sorry bunch of bunch of runners right now. So we had plans to go to the fifth Avenue mile next week. It's probably not going to happen with Mike's diagnosis and Trent's destroyed ankle. I'm still going to be in New York. I'm not going to be at the race. I'm still going to try to meet up and, and hang out with anybody that's racing there after the fact. But if anybody, any of the two crew is in New York and wants to hang out, have a beer, watch some football, you know, cause that's going to be the first Sunday of football. Let me know. I'll be in New York. It would be fun to, to hang out and see people. So let me know. But we're talking about our calendar. You know, if, if we're not going to do Fifth Avenue Mile, we're going to figure out something to replace it, tossing out some ideas. We were debating right before the podcast. You know, our guy, our guy Colin was talking a little nutty comb. That's a, that's a top contender right now. We're not ruling that out. Talking maybe some D3 Nationals down at Tom Sawyer Park in Louisville. We all love Louisville. And we got our guy, Matias, who's going to be competing for a national championship down there. And then we're tossing out some other stuff. You know, we're talking, there's some cross-country races in December that might be a cool option for us. So we're thinking about all the options. We're going to do something. Um, so, so stay tuned. It won't be Fifth Avenue Mile. But guys, they haven't even posted the elite fields or anything for you yet. So I don't know. I don't know like how I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know if it's going to be that fun of a race. Like they, they haven't posted anything about it. Craig already, I mean, Craig, and Craig's like fake uh, retire, or like, like sort of retirement after pre, he said he might be done with road miles. So who knows if he's even there. So I don't know. It, you know hopefully it turns out to be a good race, but I think, I think we, you know, if we have to cut this one off the calendar, it's it's going to be okay. We'll find something better to replace it. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. I mean, you think about, I know New York's been pretty strict with stuff. If they haven't released an elite field, is there a chance that they cancel it or that they do some kind of modified spec? Who knows? I, you know, I don't, I, I guess I didn't realize that they hadn't put out an elite field yet. I mean, there will be an elite field. Who knows how good it's going to be though. Right. And, and to be honest, like, 
nothing's going to top that weekend we had in New York two years ago. I mean, that was just such an epic weekend that anything, anything we tried to do would just be trying to capture a little piece of, of the magic that happened for sure. 2019 on that, on that fateful weekend. So, um, you know, I, it, 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 we'll figure something out. We'll do something better. So, all right, Mike, we got some running news. We want to kick off the running news. All right. So this first story, this is a, I feel like this is, peak too early right in the wheelhouse it's got everything we want to talk about right here i love this story so kipchoge i don't know if it was an interview or where he said it but i was reading that he was talking about when he decides to move on from the marathon he's accomplished what he wants to do in the marathon he plans to move up to the ultra to start you know running with the long the long boys i think he said something like i want to know what it's like to feel that kind of pain for that long which is just a psycho thing to say um but i don't know what what do we think about the prospect of kipchoge you know the the goat marathoner of all time moving up to the ultras i uh had the same reaction as you did mike i was like what is psycho he doesn't want to do it because he just wants to like expand the amount of uh you know championship belts he has right it's like a boxer trying to move weight classes he just wants to like hurt more he's like the marathon doesn't hurt enough i gotta find something that's gonna be more painful but my other reaction to this was like kipchoge slow your roll man you just won gold at the olympics you like broke two not just more than a couple of years ago or whatever it was at this point um so i want you to like focus on the marathon i am enjoying watching you as the greatest of all time continuing to cement your legacy and i'm not quite ready for you to be thinking about the ultra uh in years just looked it up he's 36 years old uh he should still have a couple more years of being an absolute elite marathon runner so uh, i would like to see his focus continue staying on the marathon and just um showing up at all the big the big marathons that he hasn't won yet i'd like to see that rather than him thinking about uh, what ultra marathon he can or what record he can go after in the ultras Trent, i love the comparison of moving up weight classes as like a boxer moving up or down to try and collect some more hardware i think that's a great comparison the the first place my head when i was trying to draw like a sports comparison the first place my head went was like um when when manny ramirez couldn't make an MLB roster and he went over to Japan for a season to just like keep playing. And so, you know, maybe this will be kind of like that, you know, the, the greatest marathoner of all time, just can't hang it up. He needs to hang on to the glory just a little bit longer. So he goes and competes in the ultra marathon. But I think that this is, this is an absurd thought process for Kipchoge. Kipchoge, you know, fade off into the sunset, retire at the top. Nobody wants to feel that pain. Nobody cares. Like, nobody's going to really care. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. We talked about it with, you know, with when Desi went after the American 50K record. It's like, who really cares? You know, I mean, you, 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 run, the, you run it on the – you race on the roads in the, the big city marathons and the Olympics, and that's what people care about. Nobody cares about these ultras. You're just trying to, you're just trying to appeal to, like, a very small audience by doing that. I don't know. I think, I think he might – a couple things. He might be trying to, like – make himself more interesting to the to the fans might be trying to endear himself to the to the the trail running or the ultra running fans um but 
the last place my head went on uh head went when he when when he mentioned this was is he is he laying the groundwork for for a potential retirement like is this is this his out if he wants to retire if he just says oh you know i want to go try my hand at the ultra is that his way of saying that he wants to get away from the marathon he's done with the marathon i posted a video that i got on the instagram i got a couple weeks ago of him it was he was doing a an interview with a with a kenyan um with a with a kenyan reporter and the reporter asked him if he was going to retire and he responded by saying you know he asked the asked the reporter if he had any kids and he said the, the reporter said he had five kids he said let me ask you right after your wife had her first child, did you immediately start thinking about the next child? And he said, no. And so in that moment, he was essentially saying like, he has no idea if he's going to retire or not. But is this, is this comment his first step towards retirement? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you at least know that it's on his mind, something he's thinking about. And like you said, he's 37. So it has to come at some point. Um, so my take on this is I can't wait for this to happen and here's why we've talked a lot we, i mean listen we've done our fair share of criticizing the ultra all right let me rephrase me and steve have done our fair share of criticizing the ultra marathon and ultra marathoners trent i know you're a big ultra guy but our biggest criticism has always been we love this sport for competition and you know for championships and stuff like that and the ultra marathon it's it's just not that right i mean it's not traditional distances we don't see you know the stuff at the olympics there's no and the the best runners in the world are not running ultras they're running the highly competitive stuff so when you take the greatest marathoner of all time and he goes up there and he just smashes every ultra record and but he's to not me, going to. He, he might won't. though he might because that's kind of always been my point is the best runners in the world aren't running the ultras. They're running the marathon. So when you have the best marathoner to ever do it, granted past his prime, I think, you know, he'll, there's a chance he goes in there as just the best ultra marathoner ever too. So I would love to see that. I would love to be vindicated in that point just to like have Kipchoge get through there and roll through the ultras and just take all the records and win the world championships to me personally, that would feel good. However, this can't happen until one other thing happens, right? I need I need the ulcers to happen. But Kipchoge, you better come to Boston before you yes. can get up, right? I don't want to see you in any freaking 100K, 50K garbage until you have crossed the line in Boston. We, we have to see it. So that, that is my one stipulation right there. I agree. Kipchoge is Boston. What do you say, Trentel? Sorry, is Boston in the spring next year? Are we back to spring? Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, just think because after like the Matley Olympics, he's not running anything the rest of this year, is what I saw. Nothing on his calendar at this point. But that is kind of the natural point where these top-notch marathoners are going to be trying to like peak again and get ready to really roll. So it's a good point, Michael. I, d- right. I did see some quote that said it's on his bucket list to do Boston. So it's like, it seems like a pretty attainable bucket list item there. Kipchoge. Kipchoge, Boston, April, 2022. If you're truly the goat, we'll see you there. We'll see you in Hopkinton. 
That's right. I, I, we've been calling him the goat too much. I think we said that we wouldn't anoint him the goat until he shows up in Boston. So we'll see. Um, That's gonna all be right. Instagram. I love it. Going from uh, one wheelhouse peak too early topic to one that I would say is not a wheelhouse peak too early topic. Uh, you know, the news is a little light this week. I was reading an article that apparently, you know, we're getting into cross country season here and Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker are still on the Ducks active roster with just a few days from the season beginning. We haven't heard any kind of pro deal coming from them. So that tells us that those two guys have, as far as we know, decided to stay in college and, you know, Hawker's guy who was just at the Olympics. And the reason I think this is interesting is because obviously they're the two biggest names on the collegiate scale right now. And it's kind of breaking the trend, right? The trend that we've seen, and I get it, we were like in an Olympic stretch there. But the trend over the last couple of years is, you know, kind of these like the few big names in the sport have been kind of cutting it out early and going pro. We saw Hopple, we saw Sinclair. Um, I got to be honest, I'm a little like surprised. That was, I, I get that was a year out. That was a year out from the Olympics, or what they thought was going to be a year out from the Olympics when they left college. Sure, so it was a big difference. Yeah, I, I get it, but I guess tier. I'm not super shocked because he's only got one more year. But where Hawker is coming off an Olympic year, he's only a sophomore. Like I do feel like the guy would have gotten paid by somebody big time, right? And it's you know that old thing where you know you you just don't know what's going to happen in the next two or three years. Do you fizzle out? Do you get injured or something like that? I do think that there was a bag waiting for him if you wanted it. Yeah, Mike, I, I am, I agree with you in the sense that I thought I understand tier going back to school more than I understand um, Hawker going back to school for a couple of reasons. I think, I think Cole Hawker's stock in terms of like his potential as being seen as like the next it guy for the United States can't get much higher than it is right now. Um, so I, I really thought he was going to go pro um, right now And I think as like a mid distance guy, you benefit way more for on getting on a pro team and, and, and locking in with other pros and the mid distance events more so than going back to school and training um, with, with the mid distance guys there. But I mean, that being said, these guys are going to be able to train with each other. So I guess it's kind of, you know, that's kind of a, you know, a, a moot point anyways. Um, you know, I, I, I think what we're seeing by neither of these guys going pro is kind of like a, uh, it's almost, it's almost a statement on where the, the industry's at right now. I think what you're seeing right now is through the pandemic and, um, heading into 2022, I think you're going to see the shoe companies kind of buckle down a little bit in terms of the money that they're spending. Um, they're going to hit get re- hit really hard heading into the winter and heading into spring of, of 2022 because uh, production is way down in places like China, Vietnam, like shoe factories are shutting down for like the foreseeable future. And like you're seeing in a lot of retail environments, uh, you know, just kind of across like consumer goods, shoes are going to be 
they're going to hit they're going to they're going to hit a point where it's going to be tougher to get shoes probably not throughout the rest of this year but in the winter into the spring and i think that shoe companies might be kind of bracing themselves a little bit so maybe the money wasn't there and maybe they kind of connected with agents they connected with shoe companies and they both kind of realized that hey our best option is to wait a couple years maybe get a year out two years out from the olympics you know where we can continue to dominate the ncaa's and then we can we can get paid a little bit more as we get close to the Olympics. Frank, good this luck is, following that analysis. I was about to say, this is, a, this is <laughs> a track and field podcast. It's also like a Bloomberg World uh, Retail World <laughs> Business <laughs> Investing podcast. So keep that in I mind might, for you guys. I might have a little knowledge there. A little insider trading right there, apparently. Um, so, I, yeah, I have no arguments against what Steve said because I had no idea that there was going to be a shoe shortage at the factories out in China. But I will tell you this. It seems like that could affect some shoe companies. If you're Nike, right, or one of the other just behemoths, which is really just Nike. If you're Nike, I don't see how you let Cole Hawker get away. Like riding off of the momentum of the Olympic year, when he, when he beat Centro at the trials, it was, it was kind of shocking to me that that wasn't like the impetus into the big contract where you capitalize on this guy. Like this guy's not a talent that comes around every year. He proved at the Olympics by running like an absolute pro and, and getting himself through the qualifying rounds that this guy is legit and just like a superstar. And so I am, I'm shocked. I'm not shocked at this point. I, I thought it would have happened by now. If it hadn't happened by now, then, then I'm not surprised he goes back to school, but I'm shocked that his summer did not translate into somebody uh, making it a big enough offer that he couldn't refuse. How yeah, how yeah. old is Cole Hawker? Oh, he he's going. It's like his sophomore year, so it's like got to be like I don't know, twenty or twenty one. Or he's super young. So you do make you do need to take that into consideration, sure. Because we've seen over the course of the past couple decades that there's kind of these young prodigy runners. And he's a little bit on the older side. I'm not It's hard to kind of lump him in with some of the, the young high school runners that kind of pop. But there's a big step in terms of development that happens between 18 to 20 and 25 to 25, like to 20 to 25. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess to Trent's point, I, I do think at times it feels like, especially for like the mid-distance guys, the window can – with the exception of, you know, some guys, the window can sometimes feel small, right? And it's like, it feels like sometimes these guys' time to shine, you only get so long and you only spend so long on top. But the counter to that, I guess, is we got to remember, I mean, this is track and field. So I do think he could get a good bag right now. But like you said, Steve, he's what – 20 or whatever he's super young he's 20 years old i got the stats he's 20 very good uh i mean it's probably a good idea to finish out your college degree degree uh set yourself up for success long term because you just never know in this sport it's not you're not like signing up you know for major league baseball where you're going to be set for money for a while like so I, I guess it's not shocking as a 20-year-old kid that you might want to think about your long-term career a little bit and not make an impulse decision and take Nike's bag for three years. And then three years, you know, your contract is nothing because you hurt yourself and haven't been performing. You know, it, it just 
Yeah, I, I think that's probably what it comes down to for him, I would assume. But in, in, in you also have – you can't forget, like, the uh, – we'll call it the Matt Leinart effect, right, where, you know, Matt Leinart playing for USC could have gone number one, and he was just like, I'm having too much fun being a superstar in college, right? Absolutely. And it's not like – it's not like as a pro runner you're going to make – you know, NFL level money, right? You're, you, I mean, you, you know, hopefully these guys will make a good career and a good living, living doing this sport, but he, he's probably like, oh, I could go do this and, 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 and have a, you know, get paid decently to, to do the sport I love, or I could continue on my full ride at the school where they view runners as like the soup, one, some of the superstars on campus, right. And, and compete for a national championship. I kind of don't blame them, right? Like that's that sounds like a, a a pretty good option. Yeah, and you and your best friend Cooper can kind of just like run the entire NCAA together, just like dominate everybody side by side. Yeah, I mean that does sound like quite a bit of fun. I I must say. I was gonna say the the big winner here is is Oregon, right? And us as like college, just track and field cross country fans to see it. It's always good when you have just a premier school like Oregon keep these guys I was reading the the whole article kind of about them coming back they're bringing everybody back there's a couple other guys who had you know made the Olympics um for different countries that Charlie Hunter Jackson Nestler to pretend like I know you know exactly what I'm talking about here but basically Oregon is bringing the whole crew back so it's going to be like fun to, to watch Oregon this whole year I'm looking forward to it I got a, I got a question a follow-up question on this topic that I want to throw out to you guys. Now that we've seen NCAA national championships, we've seen the trials, we've seen the Olympics, when it's all said and done, who do you think is going to have the better career? Tier or Hawker? Because I think, I think there right now there's an obvious choice, but if you really think about it, I think it's more of a, it's, it's more of an argument than it seems on the surface. I mean, in Hawker's very short career, he's has just as many, if not maybe possibly more accolades than Tier does. So, I mean, but let's say let's say that when it's all said and done, when the the whole body of like their career, what you know, what what you can show for it. So, I, Trent, what I, I won't cut you off because I do have I do kind of have a take that I want to go go into a little bit. So, no recency bias. Hawker, Hawker, and by no reason bias. I mean, I'm trying to not let the uh, summer kind of just totally dominate the opinion here. But watching him at the Olympics was like, this guy's already one of the best. Like he's the best the U.S. had to offer, uh, and he just looks like he belonged out there. So uh, he just proved it on the biggest stage for me. Yeah, I mean, so, my, my my stats and research department isn't quite as fast as as Trent's, but I I really do think that. Uh, Hawker already has more um, national NCAA titles than Tier does. So I think you have to say, I, I think that this might be what you're getting at. Maybe the only argument you can make is I think Tier has a legitimate shot to win cross. So maybe that could, you know, change up the argument a little bit if he, if he takes cross and then a couple of track titles in this senior year. I, I don't know. Is tier is tier better with the longer distance? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So I mean, the the my the only reason I bring this up is Hawker, one of those guys 
that kind of gets locked into mid distance for his entire career. Does he get locked into the 1500 mile for his entire career? If that's the case, I mean, he's, he's obviously an amazing 1500 meter runner, but there's less opportunity to get accolades and have success where tier, if he branches out, if he's a 5k, 10k guy, and then moves up to the marathon a little bit later in his career, I think he, when it's all said and done, he might have the potential to, to, to have a better complete body of a career when it's all said and done. Gotcha. I, I, I misunderstood a little bit. I thought you were talking about their NCAA career. No, 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 no. I, that, no. that makes a little bit more sense to me. Okay. I, I can, I can pick up what you're putting down. I got the, uh, the notification from DraftKings today that the, uh, the NFT was coming out for like Simone Biles. And if I wanted to get in on a different level, so Steve is asking, which would you invest more money into that, that NFT? What is it? A non-fungible token for Cooper tier or Cole Hawker, uh, for a whole career. If you're going to put it in your bank and let it sit for 10 years, uh, by the way, we should be doing that. I think we've talked about that. We need to be the people that start the NFT for track and field athletes. Trey, yeah, you're the tech guy. You're the one that I we're know. relying on to make these NFTs. I'm, I'm working on it, boys. I'm working on it. But uh, I think I like Cole Hawker's value more. Yeah, so it's one of those things where you're right, Steve. Tier might have more like accolades on different stages and move up to the marathon and all that. But if it just came down to like, if if we judge this solely by gold medals, like who has a chance to get more gold medals? I mean, I think Cocker has got to be the answer there, right? I mean, I think he's a guy who you could legitimately see competing for a medal in in, in the future in the fifteen hundred. So, I think that's where you got to go. Just wanted All to right. throw that one out there. So I like it. I like it. Man, that was a lot of Cooper Tier Cole Hawker talk for uh, for the Pictorially podcast. Well, you know, pretty, I, you know, I like good for I us. like these non-interview episodes every once in a while for that reason. We we can go off on tangents and we can riff a little bit yeah. on stuff that we might feel like we didn't have the time to do because we got to stick to a st- a schedule. Well, I also feel like we were stubborn, and when the whole world was talking about this too, we were trying to uh, avoid hopping on the bandwagon there. So that's like, this is the first we've like ever actually dove into to them quite a bit so Dig when um, everybody else zags yeah so the last topic here we we talked about this a ton on the last episode so i don't know if there's much less to say but there was a little bit of development since we last talked you know there was the whole um you know allison felix kind of uh jumped in on the whole shikari richardson thing shikari kind of snapped back at uh felix kind of threw some shade her way so she's kind of taking no prisoners here and uh, i mean felix was like trying to be supportive in her comments towards Shikari. i can't remember exactly what they were but shikari was just having none of it and kind of snapped back at felix so feels like she is uh feeling the heat a little bit and kind of just mowing down everybody who gets in her path um that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't know if you guys have any final takes on uh, the Shikari saga. Mike, hold, do we have the exact quote of what? I, I, I'll pull it up here. I, I got it up here. She's obviously been through so much, and I hope that she's supported. I hope that people rally around her. Those were the fighting words that Allison Felix said to Shikari Richardson. And then what did Shikari say back? Oh, wait, just to continue on Allison, obviously she has a great personality and she's brought a lot of attention to sport. And I think she'll be in the sport for a very long time. 
I think just more than anything for all athletes, there's so much that goes into it. So just give her the support that she needs. Again, that was Allison Felix. That was the aggressive fighting words that she said. Um, don't have shikaris. Oh, encouraging words on TV shows are just as real as nothing at all. She had a little like Instagram uh, story or post, something along those lines. That's that's the one, yeah. So and like I, it was a picture of Allison Felix, you know, on one side when her, her what was it, the Jimmy Kimmel show or something? Yeah. And then uh, with that quote and her just sink in her car saying it on the other side of the picture. She was essentially saying like, you're going to say this supportive stuff on, on television for the world to see. Like I'm not buying it. Like she was just, yeah. Listen, wrong person to fight Shikari. You do not want to be (laughs) (laughs) picking fights with Allison Felix. She is just like, you know, one of, if not the most decorated uh, Olympic, I don't know who has the most, she might have the most medals of all time after this Olympics, but one of the best athletes we've ever seen come to this sport. And like, universally liked by everyone so wrong person but i will defend shikari here for a second i do see what she's saying right where if everybody's talking about me the next day because allison felix went on tv saying that we all need to support shikari how come how come i didn't get a text from allison or a call how come she didn't say anything to me uh following it right like if if allison felix is going to talk about we all got to support shikari Allison was somebody that could have done that. So I can see why Shikari was a little annoyed to see her name all up in the headlines again and, and see Allison Fields. Even though Allison Fields is saying nice things and nothing mean, I, I kind of get and, and can defend Shikari for why, uh, why she hadn't heard from Allison in a more direct form rather than on uh, Jimmy Kimmel late night talk show. So um, uh, I'm big into The Sopranos right now. Do you guys ever watch The Sopranos? I did not, but it's on. It's on my my short list. I've never, I never watched, so I, I just, I'm on season three right now. I'm going through it. Um, Allison Felix, comparison to The Sopranos, right here. She's about as much of a made woman as you can possibly get. And when you're a made woman, when you're a made man, you can't touch those people. Those people are safe. Right. And Allison Felix has everything. She's she has seven gold medals. I think she has, uh, you know, o- over 10 medals. I think she has like 11 medals. She has seven gold medals. Right. She is one of the nicest, most likable people in the sport. She has the stories. She's a mother. She's been winning medals that have spanned uh, over a decade. She is the poster person for this sport and I support that 100%. She's awesome. Allison Felix is an inspiration to anybody and everybody that has ever participated in this sport. You want to make yourself unlikable, Shikari. Go after Allison Felix. Talk crap about Allison Felix. And then you become one of the least liked people in the sport. You're already on the fence right now. People don't know what to make of you. They don't know. I mean, listen to our podcast last week. They don't know whether to, to say like, you're, you're the USA hopeful for a gold medal and we're going to get behind you or, you know, you're talking all this trash and then you, you, you finish last in a, in a race against the best runners in the world. So we're still undecided on you. We're still trying to figure out how we should feel about you. And then you go after Allison Felix. I'm sorry, Shikari. That's like one of the things that is, that is a button that you push to make people not like you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 
clearly after last week's episode, I'm team Shikari. I believe in Shikari in, in a lot of ways. I'm like all in favor of like the scorched earth revenge tour, the FU tour bulldoze everybody. But it's like, you got to draw the line somewhere. (laughs) And this is an ally. Like this is somebody who's like on your side, like Steve said there, I think there's a lot of people who are kind of on the fence saying like, you know, talking a lot of smack, she was somebody who was on your side. So just like, it just seems weird. And Trent, I get what you're saying where it's like, it's one thing to go on like a talk show and say all these nice things. But if you're not doing it behind closed doors, like, is it genuine? So that, that, that's fine. It's all good and well, but like, you just can't, you can't go after, you can't do it. You can't go after a legend like that. Somebody who's on your side like I said, I'm all about the scorched earth. If you want to make your profile picture, you, you know, with the, uh, whatever her name is, Price behind oh, yeah, you. Frazier Price. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to talk smack and get into it online, I'm all about it. I think it's fun. I think it's all about the stuff that we've talked about in the past. I love good rivalry. I love, you know, a little fire out there, but just just be careful when you start you know attacking a little friendly fire we we don't need any friendly fire here <laughs> all right gentlemen that's all i got for the news all right so uh we wanted to just wrap up today's episode and talk about one of the most wonderful times of the year i mean the humi- here in massachusetts the humidity has just broken slightly the temperatures dropped a little bit it's dark out and you get a little bit, finally, finally, we've been waiting all summer for it, but a little bit of crisp in the air. It can only mean one thing, that the cross-country preseason coaches' polls are out. And we're going to talk a little cross-country, which just, it warms my heart. It warms my heart that, you know, the preseason football's wrapping up. The, the regular season is going to be starting soon. College football starting this weekend, and we're talking cross-country. The real sport. None of this running around in circle stuff. Let's get the hills. Let's get the mud. Let's get the grass. Let's bring in the elements. I'm I'm pumped. Let's do it. Uh, you know, I feel like we we dove in deep to uh, XC Nationals last year, so I'm kind of scrolling through some stuff here. I recognize some names. I feel like I got a little bit of information to pass on, on some of these teams, so I'm excited to dive into it here. So you want me to start off by just kind of reading out like the, 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 the coaches polls on the men's and the women's side to start things off here. Yeah. Let's do like a top, like five or a top 10 or something like that. Let's go top 10. Top, I mean, right. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's only preseason coaches poll once, once a year, you know what I mean? So what's the top 25? Let's just, let's just take like 10, 20, let's go top 30. I think they have. All right. So coming in at number 10 on the men's side, we got Iona number nine Butler Number eight, Tulsa. Number seven, Oklahoma State University. Number six, Arkansas, not Arkansas, Mike. Number five, we got Stanford. Number four, we got Oregon. Number three, we have BYU. Number two, with the big surprise from cross-country nationals last year, we got Notre Dame coming in at second on the coaches' poll. And at number one, no big surprise, we got NAU. Shocker. And then on the women's side, starting at number 10, we got Washington. Number nine, we got Minnesota. Eight, we got Colorado. Seven, we got Bama. Six, we got Arkansas. 
five, we got Michigan State. At number four, we got New Mexico. Number three, we got Stanford. Number two, we got NC State. And then at number one, again, no big surprise here, we have BYU. So, boys, let's just kind of let's just kind of go with some hot takes, initial reactions. What do we think about this? Yeah, so starting on the men's side here, I mean, it's no surprise that NAU is number one. However, they did lose more than most of the teams here in the oh, top five. Oh, definitely. Right? Definitely. I mean, obviously, they're um, they're returning uh, Nur, They're returning um, – what's it? Nico, Nico Young. Young. Yeah, so they are obviously got some – and it just feels like they have an endless amount of people coming through those doors. But as far as, like, what we know, like, tangible team that they have there – they had some huge losses, especially when you compare it to Notre Dame, who's bringing back, like, I think six of their top seven. BYU, who's bringing back a bunch. Oregon, who's bringing back, uh, we just talked about it, Tieran Hawker. So it's like, yeah, I, I guess preseason polls, you have to put them number one. But that is something that could get interesting. Um, I would love to see the BYU-NAU kind of dominance. And I know BYU had an off year last year, but just, you know, those two teams being the champions, I'd love to see that get mixed up on the men's side. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. It's kind of fun to see Notre Dame in the mix there. Trent, I know you like that, but our guy, yeah, Red. Um, and Oregon, you know, obviously they're going to be interesting. Uh, their guys didn't, their big guns didn't run at cross last year. So it should be interesting to see them back in the mix. What I think is the biggest travesty on this entire list. Absolutely ridiculous. My guys at Oklahoma state finished third last year and we're dropping them to seventh in the, in the preseason rankings. I think they lost like one guy. Like what, what are we doing here? We still got the mystery man that the guy could win. The too much of thing. a wild card, Mike. He's too much yeah. of a wild card. No, to this trust. is garbage. They finished third. They're in the top three last year and you're dropping them down to seven. So that's some bulletin board material for my guys. So that's an absolute bullshit right there. Well, I'm not a, uh, I'm not surprised Mike's uh, cross country preview immediately went towards Oklahoma State. Isa Rodriguez. Isa Rodriguez, the mystery man. I'm also not surprised that there was a little dig at me with the, the Notre Dame looking so good. Uh, and I, of course, don't like to see them ranked so highly. But I do like to see what feels like a pretty competitive year shaping up and NAU is going to be the favorite going in and it feels like they're the favorite every year because they are the favorite every year but Mike kind of alluded to it how all the other top teams at last year's nationals um, are pretty much bringing back just about everybody so Notre Dame was six of seven BYU I think was everybody top seven including Connor Mance coming back Oregon we just talked about having the whole squad back the Cardinals who finished I think fourth or fifth last year returned six of seven or the Cardinal, I should say from Stanford. So I, it feels like, it feels like a competitive year. It feels like, and we saw the chink in the armor from Northern Arizona two years ago, right? When they came up short. So it doesn't feel like they're totally unbeatable. And with all these teams bringing back their best runners, uh, it, it seems like it could be a really exciting competitive year on the men's side. Yeah, we're all on the same page. I think like for the first time in the past few years, 
we kind of feel like the men's side is wide open, which is really exciting. I mean, you look at these top four, maybe five teams, and it looks like any one of those schools could, could take this. Um, you know, I, my first instinct looking at these top four, I would like to see, I, I don't like the fact that Notre Dame's number two, because if they were like four five or six, I'd be on this mic screaming, being like, they're my dark horse. They're my underdogs. I just feel like that's the, I, they're going to do much better in the underdog role. I mean, they had a massive national championships last year. Nobody saw that coming. And I think that they, they do best in that underdog role. So I would like to see them a little bit lower. And if they were lower, I'd be, like I'd say, I'd be telling everybody who's listening to, who's willing to listen to me right now to watch out for Notre Dame. But I just think, I don't know. I guess my point is, I don't know if they deserve to be number two on this list right now. Um, and we were talking about an earlier, earlier in the episode, Oregon bringing back some massive names, like arguably two of the be- the biggest runners in the country are coming back. They're going to be competing for Oregon. I, I, this might be the year where you see the ducks competing for the top of that podium again. It's been a while since we've seen that. And I think they might have an opportunity here. Um, Quickly, like transitioning over to the women's side, just kind of looking at the women's side. Steve, can I can I ask you one question before we yeah, do that? Yeah, go for it. I feel like you always have you know a good head for this type of stuff. What do you think, just quickly on an individual level, what would you put the odds of Connor Mance repeating to uh, to win the win the title two years in a row here? What what are your odds for that? Uh, I'm gonna go. Boy, I'm gonna go. I think you gotta go. It's tough because it's so early. My first instinct, my first instinct is like minus one seventy five. But I would oh, never. Whoa. Yeah, no, that that's what I'm saying. My first instinct, but the, you know, when I really think about it, it's so early and it's so hard to win the national championship. I'm probably going to I'm probably going to go back to closer to like plus 200 plus yeah, I think. plus 175 right around there which is still at this point in the season it's that's that's unbelievable favorite but um you know I you know but I don't know if you're creating gambling odds like he's the favorite you might see if you were to go to go up to a betting window you might see minus odds on a guy like him I I just couldn't I I, I can't imagine I would just, never bring myself to so- bet it it's so hard to uh, win the national championship. It's incredibly hard to go back to back, and there's just so much talent. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's got to be plus odds. I think it's got to be somewhere in the plus two hundred, plus three hundred. I think that's probably the right one. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, not just, saying I'm not saying I would ever bet it, but if I was a bookmaker, I might, I might put them even. I, you know, I, I maybe somewhere around there. Yeah. All right. Anyways, yeah, let's transition over to the woman here. Um, and so that's a nice, like, transition. I was just about to say, like, if if I could get, you know, Ryan Krauser-esque odds, minus 300, minus four, and somewhere around there on BYU to take the women's side again, I would I would lay those odds, and I would put a chunk of change on them because as fun of a team as NC State has – 
and as much as momentum as they have going for them right now, like they're, they're, they're one of my favorite teams to watch. I like, I think they have a very exciting team to watch. And I think that they're going to definitely be on the podium. I just don't think anybody's going to even touch BYU. I mean, they, we have a dynasty in the making here with BYU on the women's side. They're so deep. I mean, you, you watch last year, the number one runner, coming into that race and Whitney Orton um, go out strong fade to 17 and they still f- managed to, to win the race pretty in pretty dominant fashion. Um, I just don't see, I just don't see anybody keeping pace with them this year. Yeah. It's one of those things where you, you never know exactly going into a season, especially preseason who BYU is going to be putting on the line in that given year. Um, you know, with their missions, everything like that. And it's kind of hard to figure out, you know, who's going to be there. But for all intents and purposes, it looks like BYU is pretty much bringing that entire championship team back, which is a scary thing. And there's just no way you beat that kind of depth. Um, they're, they're a powerhouse, like Steve said. Um, so, but when, when you go past that, it's kind of the same story for like the top four teams here they're pretty much all bringing back their entire squad. Like we're pretty much seeing a repeat of last year. So you never know, like maybe uh, NC state or Stanford's girls are, are one year uh, older, one year more experienced and you're bringing back that team that was already fighting for it last year. You just don't know. I'm looking here. It's like, you had NAU had 10 first place votes on the men's side. BYU has eight. There's three teams that have a first place vote. So NC State's got two. Stanford's got one. So it's very interesting. And then, you know, I'm not saying Alabama or something like that is a team that can be competitive, but those are the, the teams that are interesting because you just never know with um, who they bring in as, as young guns, right? Like they obviously have the two low sticks. Um, last year they had – uh, two girls go one and three. So you have to think they're going to have those two low sticks again. And if you can kind of like figure it out and not have, I think I saw like their third girl was like a hundredth or something. It's like you go from one, three to a hundred. So I guess that's the sport. But my point is, yes, BYU should be a powerhouse, but it's early and clearly the coaches poll doesn't think that they're as big of a favorite as even the, you know, uh, NAU on the men's side, who we just said that was close. So it's got me thinking, like, who knows? With with all these teams bringing everybody back and the freshman class coming in, you just never know. could get interesting. Yeah, that that was surprising, Michael. It was a good point. The men's, like you said, NAU gets 10 of 11 first-place votes, and BYU only gets 8 of 11 on the women's side. I would have thought that'd be reverse. I agree with Steve. And, and you, but uh, see, made the point like BYU is is the favorite on this side, and, and NAU feels like it's more up for grabs on the men's side. So, surprised to see that. I mean, BYU won the national championship last year, and look at the results right now uh, by 65 points. Like, it wasn't close. They, they dominated. If you're telling me it looks like they're going to bring back just about everybody, and when you're that good, you can afford to, to lose a person through injury. Like, the depth on that team makes their makes them set up to just uh, be able to, to handle like any type of uh, adversity that's thrown their way uh, between who's able to get in the line each week and not. It just seems hard to believe 
that anybody is going to be able to to oust BYU this year. I I agree, but you look at it, it's like three through three girls. I, I get it. NC State lost by sixty points, but through three girls, they were winning the meet, and then it was their four and five that fell way off. And like we said, BYU's just got that devastating depth that they just keep throwing haymaker after haymaker at you. But through three girls, NC State was winning the national championship. So it's like if you can have one girl in like, you know, your four to seven make that big leap. You can bring in one freshman. Like you just it's so early in these preseason rankings that you just don't know who's on these teams, right? You don't know who that secret weapon is that one of these teams has in their camp. Somebody Mike. made that crazy jump that just nobody knows about right now. And we'll find out later that it's like, oh, all of a sudden NC State, the girl who was their eighth or ninth girl last year, had an incredible summer of training, and now she's going to be a top 15, top 20 girl, and that changes things big time. Don't, don't give me that it's so early thing. What do you want us to not talk about it? You, you, like those I'm people not saying we shouldn't talk about it. I think that's what makes it interesting. Mike, right? so like like, it, it, it's early enough where we can – there's these little hidden secrets all over the NCAA that we just don't know about, and I think that's fun. I think it, it, it's, it could shake things up. Okay, Mike. So um, I'll give you 100 bucks. And you can you can you can bet you can bet BYU minus let's say minus two hundred to win the national championship or NC State plus two hundred to win the national championship. Which which one of those two bets are you putting your hundred bucks on? And you can only probably, pick one. I'm probably putting it on if I'm betting with my head, I'm probably putting it on BYU. If I'm betting with my heart. I'm betting on NC State, and I'm riding it, and it's going to be a hell of a day. I'm going to have a lot more fun if I'm putting that 100 bucks on NC State. I was just going to say, it, that's a way more fun bet. Yeah, betting on BYU is the smart bet. It is the boring bet. NC State's going to be a wild ride this year. It's gonna, you're right, because all you need is that, that one, one or two girls to kind of pop, and, and you know, they're, they're, in the, they're in the mix there. So um, I agree. It, it's going to be a fun season. This, this may get cut from the podcast, but I just had an idea. Why? We're, we're putting out these fake lines for, for BYU to win it all. Maybe this is illegal, which well, definitely is illegal, so that, that'll prevent us from doing it. But why are we not? Trent just had a really good idea, and we're going we're gonna to work it out a little bit. Uh, we're going to find a way for the two crew to kind of, I won't say gamble, but make some picks, some preseason picks on these teams. But I like where your head's at, Trent. Um, your idea was definitely illegal, so we're, we'll make it legal. <laughs> and we'll, and we'll, we'll find a way to, 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 you know, have some fun with this and make some preseason picks. That way, you know, I mean, it, 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 it sticks with one of the core tenets of what Peak Twirly is all about, and that's, you know, gambling on, on, uh, on the sport of running. But it's also going to give the two crew a little added investment in like, or, staying in, or added incentive in staying in, invested throughout the whole cross-country season. So, Trent, great idea. Just, we got some homework. Ex- except for the illegal part. <laughs> we, we got some homework to do to get ready. I'm excited. That's all right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was I, I was talking about Sopranos earlier, and Trent's mm. over here wanted to you know organize the whole you know 
anyways, we don't. Hey, I'm not trying to off anybody. (laughs) People thinking (laughs) the wrong thing out here. All right. Any any other takes before we wrap it up? I think I think I'm good. Yeah. All right. Let's kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? Steve, I think you know what I have on the bell app. I've said it before, but I love being the first person to go on this because I get to take all the good bell apps. Cam Newton is no longer a member of the New England Patriots. Patriots have a starting quarterback. When Tom Brady rolls into Foxborough in week four, he will be going up against Mac Jones. What an unbelievable storyline. Listen, I'm not I'm not sitting here ready to predict Super Bowl or anything crazy, but there is something freeing about the Cam Newton era being over because that was we all knew that that was a transition period. It finally feels like we've moved on from the Tom Brady era, and it's like this is our guy, this is our team, this is the Patriots moving forward. It, the Cam Newton era felt fake. It felt like we were still trying to figure out our identity as a New England Patriots fan as of today. I finally feel like I have an identity. I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be bad, but at least I have a post-Tom Brady identity. After week four, we can finally, you know, get through that whole thing, do the whole song and dance. I'm sure there'll be ceremony, and we can put them behind us, and we can move on as Patriots fans. The page is turned, right? Where we can finally, we can finally start to, to, to rebuild. I, I agree with that sentiment uh, wholeheartedly. Trent, what do you got people on the Bell app? Yeah, I don't know why I put a note here to talk Patriots NFL for my Bell app, thinking that Michael wasn't going to do it. <laughs> so I'll just say this. I am really excited for fantasy football this year. I'm not sure my home team is going to be competing uh, the way I'd like them to. Uh, so I'm going to just I'm gonna share with you guys all the fantasy football stuff you don't want to hear every week. Talk about you know me battling my friends and who came up with a, a big win and, and a big loss and let me down. So... Get excited for some some terrible fantasy football talk from me. Should we make a fantasy football podcast? I feel like nobody does any of those. I feel like that we could be successful. I don't know. There might be more running podcasts than there are. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. Now, so. <laughs> Jeez. Um, uh, so I just posted on our Instagram story asking for some help because I want to hear from the two crew about you know who who you want us to have on. Like I said, you know, I said a couple months ago, um, we're going to do these these podcasts just just the guys because we enjoy it. It's a little bit more fun. It's a little more relaxed. We can kind of go on tangents, but we don't want to completely get away from the interviews. And but we want to be more selective and we want to have interesting people on. Um, and so I I'm, I put it out to the two crew. Who do you, who do you want to have on? And uh, so it's only been up for a couple minutes and we have three answers. And so I'm going to read them off. So the first one says McLoofy. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. The next one says Tom Brady. That's not going to happen. And then Galen Rupp. So that's probably not going to happen too. So wow, what I'm saying, suggestions, really yeah, what I'm saying to the two crew is uh, be better and uh, we need some help. So let us know who you want to hear from and uh, we'll try to get them on. So thanks. Thanks to the, the three people that, that answered, uh, answered, you know, Tom Brady, Galen Rupp and, and McLoofy. So anyways, other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the jokes. Just-